0: Hello, CTSNet friends. Welcome to this, the very first CTSNet Beat podcast. Uh, my name is Joel Dunning, and every week I hope to give you the very latest in news in kydothassic surgery, the best content on our website, all the events going on around the world, and a few little extras and tidbits. So let's get into it and let's get started. So welcome CTSnet friends. Uh, The point of this podcast is for us to let you know about all the best news uh, around the world. I'd love your help as well. If you've got any really interesting news items or something you'd love to show the world, then do drop me a line, Joel Dunning at doctors.org.uk or drop us a line at CTSnet and we'll tell the world about what the latest things are going on in your area. Um, We're going to feature some really interesting news items. We're going to show you some great videos and we're going to have a look at all the events going on. So I hope you can join us every week uh, and I'd love your feedback as well. Put a little note on the bottom of the video or send us an email and we'll work together every week uh, to have a look uh, and see what's going on in the world. So let's get started. So the first interesting news item that jumped out at me uh, was a report by Doximity, the digital platform for physicians. Uh, they've just published uh, a 2023 physician compensation report uh, for physicians in America. Now, Doximity have got 190,000 US doctors in all specialties. So they really do an amazing cross-section of the whole of America. And, uh, As you might expect from your own experience, uh, compensation has been declining. It's gone down across all US physicians by 2.4% in 2022. And adjusting for inflation, the American Medical Association have reported that Medicare physician payment has declined 22% since 2001. That is incredible, really. Um, Now, it's not all bad news in thoracic surgery because thoracic surgery came second out of all specialties in America. So if you're a fellow or you're considering thoracic surgery's career, then it really is great. Uh, We were only beaten by the neurosurgeons. Uh, Neurosurgeons have the highest average salary in America of $788,000 a year, but we're not far behind with an average of $706,000. It was good to see that we beat the orthopaedic surgeons. Isn't that great? Um, The other fairly good news if you're a budding thoracic surgeon is that we came seventh in pay growth, we are going up at 3% last year, but obviously that has to be put into the context of the incredible inflation that we've been having in America. And in June, this peaked at 9%. Uh, So a really interesting uh, report. Some other things that really jumped out was the shocking disparity between male and female pay. Now, there may be a lot of reasons for this, but uh, the difference is nearly £110,000 per physician. That's 26% less between males and females. So we may think we're, we're making some inroads into the pay disparities, but really there is a very long way to go. Um, finally looking at um, health worker uh, uh, how they're doing um, the u.s general surgeon said that uh, that happiness in in medics all across America is at crisis levels and doc did a served over this uh, and really some of the findings are quite shocking 86 percent of all physicians in the u.s reported being overworked two-thirds are thinking about a career change and 73 percent are thinking of early retirement so you know You know, it really is a very tumultuous period uh, in in all medicine, really, in America. And I'm sure this is repeated in Europe and worldwide. So check out uh, this report. It's available for free online through the link, uh, through the CTSnet JANS link, which you can find below uh, in the show notes. Uh, so we try and find some interesting news items like that, but we try and find some really interesting things uh, in the publications uh, that are coming out. And one that really uh, stood out for me uh, was a paper um, on anastomotic leaks after esophagectomy. Uh, this was presented at the Western Thoracic Surgical Meeting uh, and it's by Amina Elliott and Joe Schrager at Stanford University School of Medicine. And uh, and they analysed... Um, uh, a 12-year period uh, of 384 patients having Ivor Lewis esophagectomy. Um, I was really pleased to see that over half of them were done minimally invasively, uh, and, uh, and they had quite a broad definition of leaks, but uh, they analysed 55 patients uh, who had an anastomotic leak. That's 16% of their database. Now, what they were looking at is whether the day six esophagram, uh, wor- how good it was really, and the shocking findings were that out of the few 55 people who had a leak uh, only 20 well 27 of them had a normal esophagram at day 6 so 27 of these people were missed By that esophagram. Now, that esophagram is normally the hooray, fantastic, everything's gone perfectly, you can eat, Uh, well, you can take some liquids at least, uh, and maybe you can go home. But actually, this paper uh, calls that completely into question because if they were sent home, uh, they were much more likely to have an uncontained leak, 80%, versus if identified in hospital. They were much more likely to have an unplanned readmission, 70%, versus only 39% if picked up in hospital, and much, much much more likely to need a further operation. 44% versus 11%. So, Tell me what you think about that. What are you going to do different uh, if uh, if you believe this that says half of the esophagrams uh, don't pick up an anastomotic leak? Would you do something different? Would you just abandon it and go on clinical signs? Let's hear what you think about this amazing paper. But congratulations uh, to that team for publishing this uh, and presenting it uh, at the Western. And then the third uh, news item that really stood out for me was an amazing series of the Syncardia Total Artificial Heart as a Bridge to Transplantation. This is by the brilliant group uh, of cardiac surgeons at the Smith Heart Institute, cedars Sinai. So that's Joe Chikwe's group and Fardad Esmalian and uh, Jad Malas uh, wrote this paper and presented it. And it is their experience with 100 patients undergoing this Syncardia total artificial heart. I've always been absolutely amazed by total artificial hearts, along with heart transplant. It really is one of those iconic things in our specialty that even the public are just amazed about. And it is also amazing to think that only about 100 of these total artificial hearts go in per year worldwide. Um, So so this series of 100 patients really is an enormous series to look at to see how we get on. So obviously, these patients are people that are not going to survive to get their transplants. So they are the very illest people uh, on the Intermax profiling. Um, This was a 12 year series uh, and they had 94 days median on device support, although that did peak at 276 days uh, and they did a great job of following them up for five years in this paper. So what did they find? Well, they found a really good outcome that 61 patients were successfully bridged to their transplant uh, and then 39 percent didn't survive. But obviously they were the illest people, remember adverse events uh, of course are common and that's why the magic of looking after these people is not putting it in it's the post op care uh, and 15% got infections 5% got strokes uh, there was reoperations and gi bleeding so so obviously that anticoagulation conundrum is is key for these patients um Uh, 20 patients passed away from multi-system failure. But the really fabulous findings of this paper was that uh, 30-day survival uh, was an amazing 96% uh, and five-year survival was 77% uh, after having this. So great job. Well done. And if you're in a unit uh, doing heart transplants, uh, maybe it is time to have a look at this paper, to have a think about whether uh, a total artificial heart could save some lives and bridge people's successfully to a heart transplant. We're now going to have a look at some further content on CTSnet. And uh, every week, uh, we do a featured profile. Um, we profile surgeons from all around the world. Sometimes there are presidents of association or amazing people uh, like Mark Ferguson or Sunt and, and all sorts of incredible people leading our specialty. But this week, we've got a really different person. Uh, and you won't have heard of her. Her name is uh, Penelope. Adinku. Now, why are we profiling her? Well, I met her last year uh, in Accra in Ghana doing a mission. And Emily Farkas is out there this week in Ghana doing a humanitarian heart surgery mission, offering heart surgery to those who can't afford it. And she she linked up with Penelope uh, to have a chat to her. And we've uh, put the show notes and even a little video surprise for you uh, to have a look at. Now, Penelope is the first female cardiothoracic surgeon in Ghana and probably in the whole of West Africa. She's worked so hard tirelessly to get there. She's faced endless barriers, as you might expect. Uh, Not just our Western barriers of people telling her she won't be up to it or she can't manage it, but also the Ghanaian barriers of really very low numbers of heart operations going on. I was actually horrified when I went to Ghana to see that in a population of 23 million people, and if that was 23 million people in England, we'd be doing 10,000 heart operations. They do about 150 operations a year in Ghana so really what a massive shortage and it's mainly funding people can't afford surgery so with all that uh, against her Penelope has become a cardiothoracic surgeon at the National Cardiothoracic Centre in Accra so congratulations to her check out uh, what she says about this in our interview Uh, and she really wants to uh, improve her skills she'd love to go and do a fellowship overseas and come back to serve the people of Ghana so we'll try and follow her from time to time over her, her career and maybe you never know you might bump into her uh, in a meeting somewhere around the world so so great job and great job Emily Emily's our global CTS net editor uh, and uh, and she's going to try and bring out uh, uh, lots of stories from around the world not just America and Europe but Africa and India and China and South America and um, bring out the real news from worldwide for you so look out for Emily's posts from time to time so the next really interesting video uh, that we thought we'd have a look at uh, was an unbelievable video. Uh, I'm going to tell you the title and it does not even do justice. Uh, Reoperative aortic root and cambrille procedure with aortic arch and descending aorta replacement. That's what they titled it. Uh, Stanley Wolf presents this with Aminda Jassar Sunt from the Mass General Hospital. But that does not even half do justice to this incredible uh, video. So settle down, put this on the big screen. TV. Do not eat food while you're watching it because you will cough it up because it is incredible. This patient was a 63-year-old man who originally, not in their unit, uh, presented with a type A dissection. Uh, he had a really big procedure the first time round. He had a, a, a cabrol procedure with a bentles with a mechanical aortic valve replacement, and aortic arch replacement with a frozen elephant trunk. But then, five years later, he presented to that peripheral unit uh, where he was getting aneurysmal dilatation. So they did reduced stenotomy, carotid stenting, frozen elephant Elephant trunk, another arch replacement. Post operatively, he got a tamponade. He had sternal dehiscence uh, and then finally got out of hospital. And then, nightmare of nightmares, he then presented with uh, a pseudomonal uh, sepsis, a big collection around the graft, uh, and oh my God, referred to Mass General. So, what did they do? Well, they give us a lovely presentation of the CT scans, the 3D reconstruction of the problem. They then do right axillary cannulation. They do bicavel uh, venous cannulation. They then do a horizontal thoracotomy. Uh, I dread to think how many hours they spent doing adhesiolysis. It looked like an absolute rock on the video. They then finally got to the graft. They started exposing it. They then cross-clamped uh, below the head and neck vessels. They then started cutting out uh, the previous graft. They went into a huge pocket of pus that just gushes out uh, on the video. Uh, and then they cooled down, anti cerebral plegia, uh, cut out the stent, cut out the graft put some branched grafts to the left carotid and inominate because they'd had a previous subclavian to carotid bypass grafts. Uh, they then restored the head and neck uh, blood supply. They then go and cut out the whole descending aorta. They do a distal uh, aortic anastomosis. They oversew all the intercostals as they come back up. They fashion a curve of the aortic arch, which was really amazing to see. Uh, they then restored perfusion to the legs. And then they started on reconstructing the cabral. Uh, they did a patch to the right ventricles because they entered that, uh, trying to get everything out and then they put in a bioprosthetic uh, valve uh, and a further Bentals. There were nine anastomoses done in this incredible operation. A beautiful final result, so congratulations to them. Uh, What an incredible operation. Uh, Well done. Check this out on CTSnet. The links are below. And the final one that I wanted to profile for you uh, was a thoracic operation. Uh, moving on to thoracic surgery, our nightmare in thoracic surgery is a bronchopleural fistula um, after pneumonectomy. Uh, But the group in uh, the Louis Pasteur Hospital in Nice uh, with uh, Carlos Guero and Abel Gomez Caro presenting uh, showed us a really nice way to address this nightmare of a situation. Uh, They presented a 67-year-old who had been previously very fit and well, but he had a huge tumour in his right chest, so they had to have a right pneumonectomy. Unfortunately, it was complicated by a bronchopleural fistula They did thoracostomies. uh, They tried packing it. But after three years of local treatment, his life was hell. Um, He was getting a weak voice, chronic infections, coughing up uh, this nasty, horrible stuff uh, and and pain. And so so he was desperate for a surgical cure. So what they presented was a closure of a bronchopleural fistula with uh, intrathoracic transposition of the omentum. So they start showing us a rigid bronchoscopy. Uh, They show the right main bronchus with a massive hole in it. You can even see the swabs the other side from the packing of the chest over the three years. They did a covered uh, bronchial stent to the left main bronchus through which they intubated and then they opened the abdomen, did an upper laparotomy. They did a lovely job of harvesting a really big piece of omentum they then did a very big postrolateral thoracotomy. They removed the second to the tenth ribs with a proper huge thoracoplasty. Uh, they then got into the cavity, cleaned it out. They identified the bronchopleural fistula. They sutured the uh, the amentum to it. They then uh, closed all this four drains in and closed it with primary closure. So uh, well done. The patient obviously had a stormy course afterwards, but he got there, he got to hospital discharge, and they show some great pictures of a completely closed chest, no longer a massive hole in his chest with pus coming out. Uh, and I'm sure the patient was extremely delighted with their huge operations. So check this out if you have that same uh, nightmare situation sometimes. Uh, I know we never want to go and try and close it definitively, do we? We try and persuade our patients that they would be happy living the rest of their life with a huge hole. But this does show uh, what can be done. So in the CTS Beat podcast, we're going to try and bring you all the most interesting upcoming events uh, around the world. So you can check them out. And we've selected two for you this week. So the first one uh, is going to be uh, the Mayo Clinic Robotics and Advanced Surgical Technologies Symposium. This is going on in Orlando, Florida, and it's from Friday, April the 14th to April the 16th. This is really going to be an absolutely wonderful symposium. It's not just uh, thoracic robotics. It's all specialties. It's very far visioned. Um, it's not just going to be two or three surgical videos. They're looking at artificial intelligence, mixed realities, haptics, telerobotics, digital health innovations, and um, bringing loads of different specialties together uh, to have a look at really what is the next five years of robotic surgery. So check that out. Check the Mayo Clinic uh, uh, Surgical Technology Symposium website uh, also in the show notes below. Crossing the pond over to this side of the Atlantic, uh, we have uh, at EAC's house in Windsor uh, on the 17th to the 19th of April, a Fundamentals in Thoracic Surgery course. Uh, now EAX run these really regularly. Uh, this is part one of the course. They have several parts to it. And this is really for trainees or junior consultants or people coming up to exams to really understand a wide range of the most modern issues in thoracic surgery. It's really very comprehensive and it's taught by the very best thoracic surgeons in Europe. Hosted in Windsor, right next to Heathrow, it's great and easy to get to uh, and, uh, and I encourage you to check out the EAX website uh, or even see if there's a spare place that you can get to uh, in time for the week after next. Every week, I'm going to check out where Diego Gonzalez-Rivas is. For those of you who don't know who he is, uh, he's one of the world's most amazing thoracic surgeons. He invented uniportal vats. He's just invented uniportal robotics. But the most amazing thing about him that you may not know is he's just set up a foundation to help underserved patients and surgeons around the world. Uh, he goes around the world offering surgery to people that might not otherwise be able to have any surgery or have minimally surgery. And so please do check out his website. Uh, it's also on the show notes. and uh, Maybe contribute and help him in this incredible mission. So where is Diego this week? Well, this week he's at Shanghai Pulmonary Hospital, the world's biggest thoracic surgery hospital. Uh, they're performing 120 anatomic lung resections per day this week. And they've invited 30 surgeons from around the world. They've just restarted after COVID, um, getting people from around the world back to learn from this incredible place. I've visited myself it is phenomenal they have 12 operating theaters you can just walk in and out of any of them and watch these amazing surgeons performing wonderful surgery and one of the operations he did this week was a uniportal robotic double sleeve lobectomy yes you heard that right double sleeve The other incredible thing he did, uh, because he is a master of the double sleeve, is he literally just used two bulldogs uh, to control the pulmonary artery. Um, So didn't even sling it, put them there, kept everything super still. And off he went using the amazing skills of a robot to do the suturing. So well done, Diego. We're going to find out where you are every week. uh, and, And congratulations to him. And finally, we always end with an honorable mention. And this week's honorable mention uh, can only go to one person, uh, to Dr. Mark Ferguson, uh, my predecessor editor-in-chief, uh, an absolute stalwart of CTSnet. He has uh, done so much work for CTSnet over a whole decade. He led us through huge transitions in CTSnet. He invented gens. Uh, he created most of what you, what you can see on CTSnet today. Um, he's been doing a great job and he's uh, going to have a well-earned break. Well, he probably won't have a break. He'll probably be working just as hard, but I do certainly hope. Uh, that he can find some time to relax with his lovely wife uh, in his garden uh, and take it a bit easier but knowing him he'll just take on 200 new projects but from myself personally uh, who's been he's been an amazing mentor to me and from everybody at CTSnet thank you so much to mark ferguson our honorable mention this week So that's it, that's our CTSnet podcast. Uh, We've got an audio version and videos and we're gonna be here every week. So dip in, dip out or join us every week. And I really would love to hear from you. If you hear something really interesting you'd like to profile or you'd like me to profile your video, just drop us a line and we'll get you on the podcast. Who knows, we might even have some guests from time to time. If I go to some conferences, uh, I might do some roving reports. Uh, So who knows where this journey will take us, but let's do it together uh, as CTSnet friends together. I hope you can join us every week. So, for myself, Joel Dunning, goodbye.